This episode of First Line is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn is an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. I decided to partner with TrueLearn because it is the only company I trusted for preparation for Comlex Level 1 and Level 2. Each TrueLearn SmartBank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. For my listeners taking the USMLE, TrueLearn also has an amazing USMLE SmartBank. If you are in your third year, TrueLearn also offers SmartBanks for shelf exams and Comat shelf exams. Go to truelearn.com and use one of my special discount codes for up to $35 off your subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I encourage you to seek the advice of a physician, a DO, or an MD with any concerns or questions you have about your symptoms or medical conditions. In this episode, I'm going to be talking specifically about depression during pregnancy and what depression during pregnancy looks like, how it's diagnosed, and why it is important to care about depression during pregnancy, and also how it is treated. Depression is seen in about 9% of pregnant women. Some risk factors for it include a prior history of depression, anxiety, a life stressor such as a recent divorce or a poor socioeconomic status. The fact that a pregnancy is unintended or unwanted can increase risk for depression. Being a victim of domestic violence, intimate partner violence, um, having a history of any physical abuse or sexual abuse, having poor social support, and having any chronic medical conditions such as obesity or diabetes or hypertension or migraines. It's often not treated because I think there's this general feeling from society at large that pregnancy is a stressor in itself and that it is reasonable for women to be depressed during pregnancy, but that doesn't mean that pregnant women are not worthy of treatment. I think another thing is that a lot of healthcare providers are very hesitant to start a woman on an antidepressant uh, during pregnancy because of potential medication effects on the pregnancy. But I'll talk about why there's a problem with that because many antidepressants are safe during pregnancy. And the issue with this is that untreated mental health conditions, including depression, can 
obviously affect the mother in that her mental health is not being treated and adds additional suffering um, and additional stress on top of the pregnancy. But it's also, you can think of depression as causing other health issues like many women when they have depression they will not eat as much and that causes poor nutrition which affects mom affects baby many women when they are depressed they look to substances to help treat their their mood symptoms and so substance abuse causes again problems for mom and problems for baby also when women are depressed, they might be less likely to leave their house and especially go to doctor's appointments so they don't get as much prenatal care, which again affects mom and affects baby. Of course, there is also a connection between depression and suicide risk and pregnant women are not exempt from this association. To speak on why depression is so harmful to the baby is that depression um, has been associated with abnormal infant and child development. Um, That also includes cognitive problems. So it has been seen that there are congenital anomalies that were more likely in children born to depressed mothers than control groups. And depression during pregnancy is also associated with a small increased risk of a spontaneous abortion or a miscarriage. And there are studies that associate depressive symptoms during pregnancy to preterm birth. There could be a change in dysregulation of hormones that are affected, such as increase of cortisol that then leads to more cortisol exposure in the fetus. And then, of course, if you have depression during pregnancy, you have an increased risk of postpartum depression. And with postpartum depression, that can lead to decreased functioning. And so mom can't take care of baby as well as she could if she wasn't feeling depressed. So there really is this establishment of depression being being cyclical, being generational, and causing a line of problems. So a depressed mom causing the child to grow up in less ideal situations from the start, and then that child may be predisposed to having depression when they have children. And so it is this generational problem of mental health. And not just mental health, but also physical health, because uh, maternal depression has been associated with babies that have increased risk of having health problems such as diabetes and colic and asthma. It has also been seen that depression while pregnant can cause an infant that is predisposed to excessively crying and prenatal depression could be also associated with early childhood sleep problems. The children born to pregnant women who have depression during pregnancy has been associated with greater risk of delays in building language skills, and it has been associated with more aggressive behavior, 
more depression themselves, more hyperactivity disorders, and more anxiety. So what are some barriers to treatment? Well, there's the cost that goes into it of paying for therapy, paying for medications. Women themselves can often have a fear that they don't want to get help for their depression because they don't want to be put on a medication that could hurt their baby. And of course, with anyone with depression, there's this added stigma of asking for help, of admitting that you are feeling depressed and that you do need help. So I do have another episode about major depressive disorder and then also an episode about other depressive disorders. So I'm not going to focus too much on the different signs and symptoms of depression. To speak about during pregnancy in particular, it's sometimes hard to pick out these symptoms because in pregnancy, you do have changes in your appetite, you have changes in your sleep habits, you have changes in your energy levels. So it's hard to really pinpoint if it's symptoms related to pregnancy versus depression. So um, seeing a doctor, they will be able to kind of differentiate this a little bit better than you might So they will know what is normal and what is expected during pregnancy versus what is abnormal might be related to an underlining mood disorder. With treatment of depression, typically antidepressant medications are used. Psychotherapy is almost always um, recommended in addition to medication. Unless the the symptoms of depression are so severe that a person is unable to participate in therapy. For the most part, initial treatment for pregnant women, they will be put on an antidepressant medication. But, of course, therapy is also offered. Sometimes therapy will be offered instead of antidepressants if a woman has has history of poorly responding to antidepressants or if a woman declines medication and wants instead a non-pharmaceutical option. And psychotherapy is usually a reasonable alternative unless the patient has suicidal thoughts or has impaired function that puts them at risk, then it is very highly recommended to combat it from a medication standpoint as well. But again, the best choice for most women is both medications and therapy. So when choosing an antidepressant for women, now that we've established how important it is to treat depression and not leave it untreated, if a woman has been on an antidepressant in the past, usually the same drug will be used during pregnancy. And there really isn't any evidence of any differences in safety among the antidepressants, except for a group of medications referred to as the monoamine oxidase inhibitors. And these are contraindicated, so they are not used during pregnancy. Because there has been studies that have shown congenital anomalies, as well as this risk of hypertensive crisis, 
if we're starting with a woman who has not been on an antidepressant previously, the class of medications that are started with during pregnancy is the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, also known as SSRIs. So this is based off of the efficacy. So even people that are not pregnant, they are still first-line medications. And these are the drugs that that have been most studied in pregnancy compared to other antidepressants. And SSRIs are not associated with any pattern of birth defects. And usually, if we're picking one of the SSRIs, usually sertraline is used, and that is also known as Zoloft. But other good options include citalopram or acetalopram, and the, the brand name for those are Celexa and Lexapro. And there have been observational studies um, that show that sertraline is a good choice during breastfeeding. And of course, with, with anyone, um, SSRIs do have their own side effects that I won't take time to discuss here right now. And fluoxetine is another SSRI that is normally a good first choice for patients, but not so much in pregnancy because for postpartum patients, um, because the drug has a long half-life, it can accumulate over time and and is a problem for breastfeeding. And another SSRI that this one has mixed results on is paroxetine, also known as Paxil. This has previously been associated with congenital heart defects, but there have been also several studies that show that it is not associated with cardiac defects. So because of these mixed results, usually paroxetine is not used. And if a given medication does not work for a patient, the the first step is to optimize the dose. So that usually means increasing the dose to see if that becomes therapeutic. But if that still does not work, switching to a different SSRI can usually be pretty helpful. And with multiple trials of SSRIs, that gives the label that a patient is treatment refractory. And then patients are usually switched to a serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, also known as an SNRI. And so these are the second most frequently prescribed antidepressant for pregnant women. And usually the one that is used is venlafaxine. And these also have a low risk of any congenital anomalies or any harm to the fetus. But there still are other treatments that could be considered, such as bupropion, mirtazapine, tricyclic antidepressants. Again, these have a low risk of any sort of congenital defects and of course, another treatment that I did speak about on my other episodes is electroconvulsive therapy. And usually this is only used with patients that have psychotic features. So they have maybe hallucinations or delusions, patients that have catatonia, patients that have a very high acute risk of suicide that needs treatment that shouldn't wait until an antidepressant uh, reaches a therapeutic level when you need a really quick treatment. And then with patients that are refusing food intake or even 
liquid intake. Patients that then have very severe dehydration and malnutrition that is, again, an acute risk for mom and baby. Um, And it's important to know that electroconvulsive therapy is considered to be safe during pregnancy. And so being pregnant is not a a reason why someone would not receive ECT. So prior to conception, if a woman has past history of major depression, if a woman has been stable for more than six months and wants to conceive, she could decide to discontinue the medication and begin therapy instead as maintenance treatment. Or she can decide to continue treatment throughout the pregnancy. Both options are are okay. It is important to have follow-up in either case so that changes can be made if, if necessary. And then prior to conception, if a, a woman is pretty stable on an antidepressant, she could be changed to one that is more commonly used during pregnancy, like the sertraline, citalopram, and acetalopram. But a lot of times it's just recommended to just continue an antidepressant so that there's no risk of any sort of relapse associated with switching. If an antidepressant is decided to be stopped prior to conception when a woman has been stable for a while, it is necessary to taper off of the medication And so this is something that you would want to work with your physician with. You wouldn't just want to stop the drug completely. For depressed patients that are planning to conceive, it is highly recommended to reach remission and stability for at least six months before attempting to conceive. That means really getting on a medication that works, starting therapy, and really starting your your pregnancy in in the best way you can instead of in a depressive episode because of the risks that, that I talked about already. And that's whether you're going to continue the antidepressant or not. It's always good to, to start out as stable as, as you possibly can be. But a lot of pregnancies are unplanned and usually just continuing your antidepressant uh, during a depressive episode is what is recommended. There really isn't any any indication that SSRIs cause a a high risk of congenital anomalies. So the, the takeaway is that SSRIs are usually the first line and many antidepressants can be used. There are studies that show poor outcomes when babies are born to mothers that are depressed during pregnancy. So it really should be the goal to treat depression during pregnancy and not be scared about starting medications for depression during pregnancy because it is a way bigger risk in most cases, in almost all cases, of women to go on being untreated for depression than receive antidepressants with a very low risk of causing any issues. Of course, you know that I'm an advocate for lifestyle changes in addition to treatment with medications, other treatment options that may not involve medications and things that you can add on to taking medications as well as going to therapy. First one that I'll mention is acupuncture. 
as well as massage therapy. Other therapy includes bright light therapy, which is often used for depression outside of pregnancy as well. And exercise has been shown, uh, specifically aerobic exercise or yoga. Those activities can help with depression. And then there's this question about supplementation in your diet. One is folic acid that is recommended, and this is because many pregnant women with depression, they actually have low levels of folic acid. So the idea there is that supplementing the folic acid and bringing up levels to normal might help with depressive symptoms. Another one that is similar to this is omega-3 fatty acids, and this has been seen to have lower levels in depressed individuals compared to non-depressed individuals. So the thinking there is to supplement and maybe have an improvement of depression, but the results from that specifically are mixed. Then the next thing is a peer support groups. Being part of a community of other women that are going through similar stressors and have similar mood symptoms is really helpful. So I hope that this episode was enlightening in in providing an overview of how depression presents during pregnancy and the importance of treating depression during pregnancy, keeping in mind what is best for mom, what is best for baby, and really trying to include the established evidence that many of these treatments are are well tolerated during pregnancy and don't present a risk to mom, baby, or uh, breastfeeding for after pregnancy. So really the importance that it is far more important to treat the mental health condition. Also the importance that much more research has to be done in this field to really pinpoint what options are best balancing those risks and benefits with multiple players being mom and mom's physical health, mom's mental health, and then baby's health, baby's physical health, baby's future mental health. Let me know that you like First Line. If you are listening on Spotify, tap the star to rate the show. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Scroll down and tap to rate or write a review. Thank you so much for your support. You can follow First Line on Instagram at firstlinepodcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash firstlinepodcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.